Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Hello, everybody. This is Marguerite Crispillo, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. I'm really excited about my guest. We have actually been best friends for almost 30 years now, I think pretty close to 30 years. And we were roommates back in the day, way back in the day, and we have been so blessed to stay friends all these years, and I'm really, really lucky to know him and get to have him on our show today. So everybody, please give a warm welcome to Brian Pope. Brian Pope is with Ashura. Uh, insurance services and symmetry financial he is one of the most extraordinary leaders i've ever met and and i know i'm biased because he's my friend but he's also a pretty amazing guy so welcome brian thank you very much good morning so tell me a little bit about your background i mean i know because i know you but our guests don't know tell us about how did you end up starting a company do you think you were always an entrepreneur or what got you going way back in the day? Sure. Um, well, I won't bother you with every detail of my life, but I will tell you that I got to a point in my life uh, rather young, uh, right around 21 years old, where I realized that um, uh, based on the fact I, didn't, I did not have a college degree that I was uh, going to have to go into sales. As a matter of fact, I had a friend that was selling computer equipment, and uh, he was doing really well. He really loved it. And I interviewed with his company, and they would not hire me because I didn't have a college degree. So, uh, but interestingly enough, he had received a recruiting call from an insurance company and told them that they should talk to me. Um, it, it was a, kind of a funny um, start because they did not want to hire me uh, based on the fact that the tests that they gave as to the kind of the predictor tests that would predict success or failure uh, – uh, predicted I would fail, <laughs> so they didn't want to hire me. And uh, yeah, and I'm pretty uh, yeah, and I'm pretty tenacious. So I uh, um, I started making phone calls, and I, I actually called the president of the insurance company. It's one of the largest insurance companies in the world, as a matter of fact. I ended up calling the president, and uh, I bugged the the secretary enough times that finally she called me back and said, "Look, what do you want?" And I said, "I want to go to work for this insurance company." And so long story short, they said, okay, they'll hire me under a few conditions. They actually made it more difficult uh, as a, uh, from a quota standpoint to get hired than they normally do based on uh, the test scores and so forth. But I went to work for that insurance company, um, really enjoyed it. The insurance business was going through a rather drastic change. Uh, that was the beginning of a rather drastic change. And after four years with that company, I left and started my own business, um, which is um, – which was called Insurance Wholesalers, and uh, we built a company in 2006. I sold it, um, and then in 2009, after the financial crisis was in kind of full swing, the company that owned it, which was a Fortune 500 company, a great company, had nothing but a good experience with them, 
they decided to get out of the insurance business. And um, after uh, going to market and trying to sell the company on the market, nobody was buying anything. There was no capital available to buy anything in, in 08 and 09. And uh, so they said, we want to sell it back to you. And uh, I cut a pretty good deal and bought the company back. And uh, here we are today. You know, I, I want to tell kind of a funny story because – so Brian and I used to work together at Home uh, home Savings and Loan back when we were 20 – you were 20, I was 22, I think. And we were both administrative – well, now they call them administrative professionals. I guess we were secretaries back then. <laughs> and we sat next to each other in cubicles, and we had this, this manager who was just not a very nice guy. I remember his, his name was Mark. And – I remember going into Mark and asking, hey, I want to learn how to do sales. I want to learn how to be a loan officer. And he said, oh, sweetheart, you should go back and brush up on your typing skills. You probably won't be much more than a secretary. And if I recall correctly, Brian, you went in and had the same conversation with him. And what he told you to go back to college, that, that you, weren't, you wouldn't have any, you don't have any sales skills. Is that what he told you? Yeah, he uh, he basically told me that uh, I I wouldn't be any good in sales and that um, uh, that I needed to figure out something else to do, and uh, I you know I think the bottom line was I was too nice a guy and and naive I think was the basic gist of it. <laughs> well, you know I think that it's, it's fascinating that you know not only did he tell you not to do sales but your your predictor test you took told you not to go in it and. And you're you're one of the most extraordinary leaders I know. So I think that sometimes you cannot necessarily trust somebody's opinion, or maybe those opinions are what push you to try even harder. What do you think? Uh, well, you know, after now, after having run and uh, been the head of a uh, of several uh, pretty big sales organizations, what I can tell you is that there's really no predictor for what's in somebody's heart. Um, you know, there, that's the, 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 you know, in fact, matter of fact, I think some of the, uh, some of the people over the years that I've interviewed that I thought this is just going to be a superstar, generally their best sales pitch is to you to get to, you to hire them. And yeah. that doesn't always equate, doesn't always equate to, uh, what's, what's, you know, um, what's inside of somebody. And I've learned that, I've learned that lesson actually really young. Um, that you just never know what somebody's made of. And I've seen some of the most extraordinary people, um, some of the toughest, most extraordinary people that I've ever met sometimes come in a package that just has, that doesn't represent what they are inside. And um, so I, I'm somebody that never underestimates somebody. And um, I, you cannot uh, judge a book by its cover. And um, you know, the, the, uh, I'm an example, I think, a bit of that um, in that they – I remember, matter of fact, I remember telling the uh, some of the people when they were, I was trying to get the insurance company to hire me, I said, you have no idea what I'm willing to do and what I will do if you'll hire me. And I think they felt like I was really a long shot, and I thought I was kind of a shoe-in because I thought, well, there's no way that I'm going to let myself fail at this. So I remember when you started your your first company and our, our offices were like across the street from each other. I remember you had like a little like 12 by 12 office. When you were in that small office, like what did you see yourself as in the future? I guess what I want to know is a lot of people 
maybe get stuck where they're at and they can't see the bigger picture somewhere. Do you think that you always had that bigger picture in your mind? Well, I'll, I'll kind of give you a couple of uh, a couple of stories uh, that that talk to that. Uh, number one, I actually started my business in my house, and uh, that was really uh, not a lot of fun because I had employees actually coming in working. It was in my garage, and I had employees coming and working at the house. And I was working about 100 hours a week. I literally had nowhere to go um, to get away from my business. And really what it came down to is I was just, just wasn't going to fail. Um, but, but, I'll, but I'll tell you, I know I never, I never pictured uh, my business being what it is today. I didn't really think about it in those terms. I look at business more as, um, as a, a, a problem. Meaning, you know, here's a problem. Let's find solutions to solve the problem. I don't really look at it as much as what I'm trying to accomplish in the way of, like, a monetary goal or a, a, to grow to a certain size or anything like that. To me, it really boils down to, uh, like, solving a, a puzzle. Um, but, I, but I had a, an interesting um, uh, exchange uh, probably about, oh, it's, ish, oh, boy, it's probably been 20 almost 25 years ago, my great uncle was Julio Gallo from the Gallo Wine Company. And um, I didn't, you know, we, we weren't exactly close, but I, we were over at his house one day. There was a um, charity event or something. We got invited to go down to this charity event. And, and so we were sitting by his pool, and he was kind of a grumpy old guy at that point. He was like 85 years old, and he wasn't, he was just your typical kind of grumpy 85-year-old businessman. Didn't really have a lot of uh, patience or time to talk to us, and he was sitting there going through all his papers, and um, and and he wasn't paying much attention to us. And I asked him a question. I said, um, Julio, did you did you ever think that your business would, you know, I'm curious, did you ever think your business would get to where it is today? And he looked over and dropped his papers, and he said, absolutely not. And I got a really very very interesting lesson in business for about the next three and a half hours. He talked nonstop about his business and. He really lit up and he really loved telling the story. But he was just trying to feed his family. That's what exactly what he told me. When he started, uh, when him and his brother started Gallo Wine, they said all we were trying to do is just literally feed our families. And I will say the same thing. When I started my company, um, I did have a little bit bigger picture. I had a, went to a, um, to a conference and the, one of the main speakers had been a, uh, consultant to the auto industry, and he had explained to the auto ind- to the American auto industry what they needed to do to gain market share, what kind of cars they needed to build, and the American auto industry did not pay attention to him, but the Japanese auto industry did. So this was a guy with a lot of credibility, and one thing he told me, and we told everybody, and I, but I felt like he was talking to me, is he said, look, the insurance industry is about to go through a major overall and complete change. That prompted me to start my own business, and it kind of hit, it hit it set me down a path that I wasn't really expecting at that point in my career, but I'm glad it did. Um, but I honestly was just trying to pay the mortgage, uh, put food on the table, and take care of my family at the time. So I know I did not see it getting this big. Now, I take a little bit different approach today in that had I built my business a little differently the first time, um, it would have it, w- it would have sold it for a lot more money because it would have, it would have been structured a little more properly because most people, what they do, Marguerite, is they build their business. They, they build their business. They start out, there's, there's one person generally or two people at the most, and when they get busy, they hire somebody, and when that person gets busy, they hire somebody to do the stuff that person doesn't want to do and on and on and on. I take a little bit different approach today in that 
I, I try to envision what I'm trying to accomplish overall. But I didn't start out that way 25 years ago. 25 years ago, I was literally just trying to pay the bills. So over these, you know, 25-plus years, what do you think that is really the most important characteristic that a leader should possess? Like what have you learned in building and leading a company that you think is a, a really important characteristic? Sure. I think uh, I think leadership is something you learn. I don't think it's something that you um, – that you're – there are born leaders, but they're rare. Uh, I'm not a born leader. Um, I'm a uh, somebody who's – spent a lot of time and effort learning. Um, I, I'd say that probably the most critical uh, uh, component of leadership is courage. I know that's kind of a funny, uh, maybe sound like a funny characteristic that somebody needs to possess, but you have to rise above your own emotional state a lot of times when you're in a leadership position and actually convince people to do things that are frightening and scary, certainly in sales, because sales is a scary thing. Um, so you have to convince people to take action in in light of their fear. And so as a leader, you have to do the same thing. One of the things I exercise uh, on a regular basis, and you know because we're friends, is that I, I like to do things. I like to challenge myself and get outside my comfort zone um, because that's where courage is built. When you're afraid and you take action in in light of the fact that you're afraid of something – you start to gain confidence that you know that you you will take that action and you won't freeze, you won't um, you won't uh, uh, not move, and that's what happens is people get fearful and they kind of freeze and they don't know what to do. And so I like to do things and I like to exercise that, and I actually like to put myself in a position that um, that 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 where I'm afraid and I'm but I'm going to take action in, anyway. And you know, most recently, probably that's been music. I took up uh, the guitar uh, about three years ago and literally was in a band right away. And I can tell you, for me, standing in front of a crowd playing the guitar, and we had some pretty big crowds, was a very, very frightening thing. I find it exhilarating now. I still get very nervous, but it's exhilarating. But I was terrified. I mean, I was really afraid. And there's lots and lots of examples I could give you throughout my life where I made sure that, that I, even though I was afraid, I realized this is exactly the time that you need to uh, take action and you need to follow through with what you started here. And I think that's an important part of leadership. It's a part, an important component of leadership. And, um, you know, we, in, in, our, in the insurance business, we do these, uh, we have some very, very large meetings sometimes. And I've wa I watch people grow, and I watch them become courageous in light of their fears. And I think public speaking is something that most people are not born to do. But I, I've watched over the last uh, uh, five or six years as, uh, as the companies that I'm a, uh, affiliated with grow, I watch these people from ordinary backgrounds who are starting to do pretty extraordinary things in sales get up in front of 500, 600, 800, 1,000 people and give a speech. And just a year before, they would never be able to do that. And so they've, I, watch, I watch people's development. And a, a very, very important component of that development is them reading because you, you can gain so much from reading because oftentimes when you – and you're, I know you read a lot. What most, people don't realize about read, what most people don't realize about reading a book is that 
they think, well, I'm going to learn something from the author. But typically what you're learning from is the author's compiled a bunch of stuff from a bunch of other people. So you're learning from a, a very, very uh, a large group of often very wise people. And you're gaining ideas and insights into things. And I think personal development is critical, especially if you're building a business um, that if you're not careful and you don't really uh, commit to personal development – as that business, that business can outgrow you. And what happens is the business will start, will fail if you don't keep up with the growth of that business. And I've seen it in my own businesses. And so the companies that I, that I, uh, that I own and am, am part of and, and fortunate to, to actually uh, uh, participate in, uh, personal development is a huge component of that. And, and we really encourage it. We don't require it, but we encourage it. Because I see the, the enormous difference it makes in the people in the people the people's lives that are working in those businesses. Well, you know, it's funny that what you say about books is that um, recently you recommended to me the book The Forty Eight Laws of Power, and I've been I've been reading that book the last couple the last week and a half or so, and. You're so right when you say that these authors are bringing in stories from all different people, and it's so fascinating when you start really kind of digging in and thinking about what they say. And if you guys have not read that book, I think I think it's a required reading. I mean, honestly, I think it's one of the best books I've read, and I'm only partway through it. Um, But it's just definitely personal development. I love the part that you talked about the courage of a leader, because. I personally found that when I am scared to death, when I'm at that place where I'm just like shaking in my boots, seems to be the time that I have the most growth and when I learn the greatest lessons, right? I seem to know I'm on the right track if I'm scared. <laughs> well, you're, what you're doing is you're growing. If you're, if you're outside your comfort zone, then you're growing. Uh, that's, your, that's the thing that most people don't realize is that if you cower to your fear – You've just robbed yourself of opportunity to grow as a person. Um, courage, I think, I think the two, personally, you know, this is my own personal experience, I think the two most important components of, of success, at least for me, have been courage and resolve, and basically I'm not going to quit. Um, trust me, in my businesses, I have wanted to quit many times. In fact, it still happens, you know, where I just feel like I don't need this anymore. I'm, just, I'm you know, I'm worn out. And that passes, you know, you work through that. Um, but the, 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 you can't fail if you don't quit, you know. And, and, we, and we could go through thousands of examples of successful people in business and, in, and not just business but in politics. I mean, look at Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln as an example. A guy failed so many times and he became president of the United States and arguably one of our greatest presidents. But there's just – Example after example after example of people who um, who succeeded, you know, on their one thousandth try at something, and you can't. It's really important. You can't fail if you don't quit. And then courage is a critical component. I'll, I'll share a real quick um, story with you um, where it was an example of a time for me. It was the it was the biggest challenge to my leadership, um, probably ever. It may maybe ever in my life, and that was the 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 few weeks after nine eleven. Um, oh, I was yeah. running, yeah, I was running a sales organization, and uh, we, we ever I just I was looking around, and everybody was shell shocked. I mean, I was in shock. It was just such a 
crazy time. You had, you know, we the the country felt. Uh, I mean, I'm not telling, probably telling anybody anything that they don't already know, but you know, we felt under attack as a country, as a people, as a culture. Um, the stock market crashed. You know, we were headed into a certain, certainly headed into a recession, and uh, people didn't want to open their mail. Do you remember there was anthrax going through the mail? My business yeah. does a lot of direct mail. My business does a lot of direct mail. My employees were afraid. They didn't want to open the mail at work. They didn't want. They were afraid to come to work. Everybody was wondering when's the next attack going to happen. And I re and my sales in my company, my sales dropped off a cliff. It just you know it just sales just dried up. People were people were frozen with fear. They just were. And I, and I remember, I distinctly remember just so many people were just frozen with fear in that what's going to happen next. And I realized that as a leader of my company, I needed to step up. And I gave a 15-minute speech, and the gist of the speech was that, you know, um, everybody's afraid. I get that. But now is the time when we owe it to ourselves, our families, our fellow American, each other, employee-wise, salesperson-wise. We owe it to each other to break out of this fear, to, to um, stop being frozen and take action. And this is what we owe each other and our families is to be strong, okay, and to take action and to move on. And we're going to get through this. We're going to be better off as a as a uh, as a country, as a society, and as individuals breaking through this through this uh, scary time. We're going to be better off. And I remember, I, I you know, I, I I didn't record it or anything like that, but I distinctly remember the, the gist of the speech was, "We got to snap out of it, and you owe it." to your families and your friends and your fellow Americans and our customers, we owe it to them. And, and I watched an uh, absolute 180 and transformation from the people that I was leading. And we had, you know, well over a thousand salespeople at the time and a whole bunch of employees. And I watched people, people's uh, attitudes completely go from frozen with fear to dogged determination and courage, right? And it was simply a few words from me, ironically, that helped these people break out of that. And I, what I realized is somebody's got to step up and tell these people it's going to be okay, and it's going to be okay because we're going to make it okay, right? Um, and um, I got a great lesson that, that day in um, – in you know human nature and um, in in watching people um, really um, dig deep and and find the courage that they're capable of and that was a for me it was a it was a moment I'll never forget in business um, because it was at a time when I was probably about the most most fearful in my business as well. You know I I think that that is is such a valuable lesson because I think that. A primary role of a leader is to give people hope, right? To 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 help them see what's possible. I know for me in the real estate industry, one of the main reasons people don't buy a home is simply because they don't think they can. There's usually not any other issues around it, right? It's a matter of okay, like you said early on in the conversation, business is a problem. So how do we solve the problem? And um, a friend of mine, Marie Forleo, says, uses this word all the time, everything is figureoutable, right? 
um, not necessarily a dictionary word, but it's a great word because if you just sit back and look at the situation and, and pull the right people together, I think that every situation can be solved or resolved in some capacity, don't you think? Sure, absolutely. Um, I remember a military leader uh, once said, um, he said, uh, pray if you must, whatever it takes for you to find the courage and uh, resolve to, to get back up on your feet and fight, because praying ain't going to beat the enemy, fighting's going to beat the enemy. And in other words, it's a, whatever, whatever you got to do to get that done, do it. Uh, as an example, one thing I do is uh, I meditate. I do transcendental meditation, which is a, um, a meditation you have to really learn how to do. But um, it's really a very natural way to get through stress. And stress is real. Um, one thing I'll tell you also, Marguerite, is I, I don't discount people's fears. I understand when people are fearful um, or they're dealing with, you know, um, a, a hopelessness because the circumstances they're in seem um, dire or difficult or whatever. And what I'll tell you is, is that those people aren't alone. We all go through that. Every single one of us go through that. Uh, but there's, there's lots and lots of ways to break through that. And I can tell you the, the fastest way to do it is to do constructive things that will change the way you think. Reading is a huge one. Association with the right type of people is another. You don't want to be around people. If you're trying to succeed at something, the last thing you want to be around is people that tell you you can't do it or they're negative. You've got to get those kind of people away from you. Um, that's a, that's a um, cancerous mindset that negativity is a cancerous mindset that will undermine your success. So you've got to get around people that um, are positive and, and um, encouraging. And you, unfortunately, it takes some discipline. So another component of, of, uh, of success is discipline to make sure that you're doing things that are going to lead you to success, not doing things that you'd like to do, but doing things that are actually productive. Um, but, but there's so many resources out there for for those of us that want to be successful at things and the the first and the easiest is just the right books well i i absolutely agree i mean uh, we're both avid readers and i would love to get great you know book ideas from you um but the other part that you said that i think is valuable is getting around people that can think bigger than you right and and i've personally experienced this because uh, as you've been out doing, looking at houses, we've spent a lot more time together in the last month. And just being around you and listening to how you think and how your mind works and what ideas you have is so inspiring. And I think that we don't give enough credit to people in those positions sometimes. And you just have to make the effort and take the time to find ways to get around those people. And I I know personally that really great leaders are more than willing to share. Like they don't have any problem with spending, you know, some time with you and helping you understand things or helping you sort through stuff. At least that's my experience. What do you find when you get the opportunity to be around other leaders? What what do you ask of them? Um. Well, you know, what's, what's funny is when I get around um, successful people and successful leaders, uh, I, I, I think, what, I think what, what's striking is they're just people. But the reason that they're willing to help, the reason most successful people are willing to help you is because somebody helped them, you know. 
And it's, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a karma thing. Like as an example, I'm willing to help, you know, I get people, I get people all the time that ask me for mentorship and things like that. One of the, I, I don't, I don't have many conditions. The one condition I have is if you ask me what I think or, or for my help, then you have to be willing to accept what I say. Um, good and bad. And I don't necessarily mean critical, but, uh, if, if somebody says, well, what's going to make me, you know, what's going to make the difference in my life? I can tell you the first thing is, and I would tell anybody this, is the very first step of transformation, success, or whatever is the decision. Decide, to decide something means to eliminate all of the possibilities. So you, so essentially you decide, then you're committed. Now, now you're committed to the outcome that you, that you want. And these are steps and they're mental, they're mentally very important to, when you when you commit to those things, it's going to get you through um, the difficulty and the the adversity. Uh, it it we're all face we everybody faces adversity. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter where they come from, what their backgrounds are, and all that. And so, when when you go to somebody and you ask for help or you just want to learn from them, most successful people are willing to do it because somebody else was willing to help them. And it's just a pay it forward kind of attitude. It's the way I feel about it. I feel, you know, it's, it's my job to, to help people. And I'll tell you, I've learned through tw after 25 years, the more people you help, uh, the more comes your way, the more good things come your way. Oh, I agree with that. You know, a thousand percent. I, I mean, I've seen that not only in your life, but definitely in my life. What do you think is one mistake that you see leaders making more often than others? Um, I would say that, uh, and I, I would, I think you can't exclude anybody from this. I think probably the number one mistake is not understanding what, where your arrogance lays. Okay, everybody's got some level of arrogance in some part or facet of their personality or their life. So you have to understand where that what that is, and if you understand what that is, then you'll you'll know how to make sure because it can undermine you. Um, and and I I, I want to I really want to define what I'm talking about. Arrogance means that you know better, you're not willing to listen. Arrogance means that you're not willing to accept your own limitations. That's one of mine. That's 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 my main arrogance is that I feel that I'm strong enough to overcome anything and oftentimes that means strong enough to overcome somebody else's limitations or limited mindset or whatever and and you know as a person that's that's run sales organizations that if somebody isn't willing to do what they what they need to do it doesn't matter how committed you are to their success it what matters is how committed are they to to, to their own success and what what ends up happening is is that we get so entrenched and try to overcome this because we feel like it that it's it's imperative for us to make this person successful that what we do and this is what i have a tendency to do is i ignore people that deserve my help and actually deserve that commitment and and instead of me spending time with them i'm spending time with somebody who's for some reason not willing to do the things they needed to be to, to be successful so my arrogance lies in my my own accepting my own limitations and my own ability uh, my own abilities um, or lack of ability to be able to change somebody else's or some other circumstances that I'm not in control of. And so I've, I've watched this and 
an example is when you now an example of people who have been who have been kind of knocked down by their own arrogance is Tiger Woods is an example. Okay, um, Tiger Woods I think probably got to a point where he just really started throwing discretion uh, to the side and decided he was bigger than than um, than you know what would happen to him if he got caught doing one of the things that he was doing. And I don't judge that. I, I, I look at it as a lesson in here's a guy whose arrogance got away with him. And you can look throughout history at things like that. Another example, um, this is kind of a ne negative, sound like a negative, but it's a good example to learn from would be Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler bit off more than he could chew in World War II, took on the Russians at a point where he was stretched out, and that's what caused him to lose the war. Um, and you can go throughout history and you can see those kinds of things. Um, and another example is uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is somebody who, um, you know, by all measures was a great president. He was, he was very, very popular. And yet he's got this huge tarnished um, past based on something really silly, you know. And so when you look through that, when you, when you look at your, yourself and you, and you want to make sure that you're, you're trying to uh, take away the chances of failure is take a look and try to identify what your where your arrogance lies, where because we all have it, every one of us, and figure out where what's your flat spot, what's your blind spot, and and then get help. When and like as an example, I listen to people around me that I trust because I don't see this there's this blind spot I have. I don't see it, and I fall into the same trap because I'm the because I'm the same person. So when just a new circumstance comes up. It's different, so it doesn't exactly look the same, but I, I'm susceptible to the same, making the same mistake over and over again because that's just the way I'm wired. So I look to others for, for guidance and help in, in helping me with that, and that's a tough one for me. Um, so so that's, that, that would be my suggestion. So uh, I was just going to ask that question, too. Is it how, I, I think that many times we're, we're definitely blind to some of our big issues, like I know, you know, even for me, it's like sometimes I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me when you keep making the same mistakes over and over again? It's like you think you're learning, you think you're growing, and and then you get kind of smacked in the face with the same the same lesson. And so how do you know sometimes who to trust when you ask those questions of people? Um, well, you got to be careful. You're right. And the reason you got to be careful is like a spouse is an example of somebody you, you should be able to trust. But the problem with the spouse is a lot of times the spouse is going to support you no matter what. So they're going to tell you, you know, no, you're right. It's not the circumstance. They're going to support you. And so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find people that you know don't have an agenda based on your decisions. Um, another one is kind of an odd place to look for advice is a therapist. Um, I learned in therapy, um, I went through therapy through, I went through a real traumatic experience and went through some therapy. Um, and one of the things I learned was that we don't really change that much as we get older. Matter of fact, I think we get to be more, <laughs> kind of like cement hardening, you know, the older you get, the harder you <laughs> get. And, you know, and I think the more we are ourselves, the older we get. I think the difference that, that I found for myself is in as I get older I'm getting more patient so I so I've learned to slow down you know to slow down a little bit and that that way I can kind of like there's no big hurry let's figure out the lay of the land here and make the right decision and I find that by doing that I'd make better decisions 
as far as, as uh, who you can trust and so forth, it, it, it's as, as long as it's somebody that's going to tell you the truth, oftentimes something we all in human nature we don't like is we don't like to hear things we don't like. And oftentimes those are our best friends telling us that. Um, I, got advice from, I got advice from you one time, and I, was, I found, found it to be an ex- extremely insightful way of looking at it, but I just couldn't see it that way. And I looked at it and went, boy, she's right, and I'm going to – and I remember those words – and it helped me through a difficult time. And so you've got to find people, again, that, that you know, don't have a vested interest in every outcome of every decision you make, but somebody you trust that's going to give you good advice, somebody who's of sound mind, <laughs> somebody who's uh, um, wise, somebody who's wise. Um, and you have to, if nothing else, you have to at least take into consideration the things people say and think about them a little bit and and don't get defensive or don't uh, rationalize something away based on – well, because I'll tell you, there's been many times, many, many, many times, as an example, I'll tell somebody that gives me advice, well, you just don't understand the situation. And then I realize, well, the fact they don't understand the situation is often better. You know, um, I'll tell you, a, a, uh, I went to – I, I spent a, a, a quite a while in a, a, involved in a group called Vistage. And I don't know if you're familiar with Vistage, but that was very helpful for me. And yeah, it's we a kind of a yeah, it's a it's a CEO roundtable, and they've got and they've got offshoots of it for for other like sales leaders and um and like professionals like accountants and attorneys. And I found that to be very 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 helpful as well because I had all these people who had absolutely no interest whatsoever in my success or failure, but they were there because they were looking for my help and each other's help. And they, I got a lot of great advice from those folks. So there are, there are lots of resources out there uh, for that kind of thing. Well, I'm going to take the part where you said that I was right, and I'm going to use that as my ringtone every time you call me. <laughs> <laughs> I got that on tape. I got that on, got that on Good. audio. <laughs> um, so I, I just had a couple more questions I want to ask, and then we'll wrap up because I know your time is valuable. I appreciate you today. But what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that are facing leaders today? You know, I feel like we, you know, without going into politics, but <clears throat> what do you think some of the challenges in running your company uh, are becoming or other leaders that you know? Well, I think uh, a few things is – Things have changed. I mean, um, you know, I think one of the biggest adjustments that I've had to make was, in fact, I'll tell you, um, I've had some extremely difficult times in business, a lot of adversity, um, but I came through it because I suddenly realized that, uh, you know, look, what, what, what I understood to work doesn't work anymore. Um, I think a lot of us probably understand that. I, I, an, example, I, an example of something that I've watched you do was when the real estate market really tanked, I watched you actually thrive because what you did was you, you adjusted to what was going on in the market and you got really involved in REOs. And you did very well in an extremely difficult time because you had that flexibility to, to, to alter course kind of midstream to be able to accommodate drastic changes in the market. I wasn't so smart. <laughs> I, uh, I was still in the mindset of um, – I sold the company in 2006, and it was owned by a Fortune 500 company, which is kind of a 
a really big safety net to be owned by a company that large. Um, and then when I bought it back, um, I went back to the things that, that I knew and was doing in, you know, 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5. Well, the market was a completely different place. And I we really struggled as a company. And so as I struggled and struggled and struggled and felt like, gosh, there's no end to this. And are we ever going to break through this difficult times and so forth? Well, a lot of the answers were right in front of me. I was just so stubborn about trying to overcome the issues that I was having that I didn't realize that a lot of the um, solutions were right in front of me. Um, one, of, one of the examples of a company that I, that I think is um, an incredible success story, I mean, it's probably one of the greatest success stories, is Apple. Is Apple almost yeah. went bankrupt. And, but when, and then they invented the, the iPod, you know? And that changed everything. And it not only changed everything for Apple, it changed the music industry. And then they invented the iPhone. And I remember when they invented the iPhone or they came out with the iPhone, I'm like, why in the world would Apple invent a phone? Why would you get into the phone business? And well, we all know what happened after that. And then they invented, then they came out with the iPad. And the iPad is just about all but eliminated the desktop. And, and this is a company through innovation that hasn't just changed the company. And they are now the most valuable company on earth. But they changed the, really changed the lives of a lot of the world. And so what I, would, what I would say is look around at, for solutions outside of what you know. Try to learn new tricks, learn things from others. But the, the, and, and I think those that are not willing to innovate and, and accommodate the changes, and, and what's happening is it's just changing faster and faster and faster. Seems like the, with the acceleration of technology, it's like times the clock is speeding up. It's it's really really hard to get your mind around sometimes. But um, you got to be willing to innovate. You got to be willing to do different things. You got to be willing to try some new things, learn new stuff. Um, and then again, I'll go back to to reading because what reading will do is it'll encourage you to think differently. And if you're if you're if your business is is struggling or you're finding that it's becoming more and more difficult a more and more difficult business environment uh start reading some books on innovation and it'll get you to think a little bit differently it'll, it'll make your mind more pliable and more flexible to to be able to see possibilities that you aren't willing to see right now so what what are what are, what are your three favorite books that i would see on your bookshelf <clears throat> Well, I, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I would say I'll give you a, I'll give you that's that's a that's a tough question because uh, I think that uh, as they pertain to business, okay, as they pertain to business, I'm going to give you one that doesn't really pertain to business, but it pertains to life, and it is a and I'm going to I'm going to tell you a, a quick something real quick. Is my daughter was a uh, she's a, psych, a psychologist now, um, but she called me when she was in school. And uh, I think she was working on she was working on her master's degree, and she said, "Hey, Dad, I got I got to do a book report, and I got to do something sort of uh, psychology related. Uh, you got any books that I could read that you suggest?" And I said, "Yeah, you need to read the book uh, Man's Search for Meaning' by Victor Frankel." I Fantastic. said, she, "I said, look, it's a, yeah, I go, it's a quick read, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. you need to you you should read that one." She says, "Oh, okay, cool." I said, "You can read it in a few, a few hours." So about. Two days later, she called me and she says, hey, Dad, I want to uh, call you to uh, tell you I read that book. You know, and I said, yeah. She goes, well, I'm going to tell you something. You need to warn people before you, you tell them to read that book. And I go, why? She goes, 
that is the most gut-wrenching book I've ever read in my life. And it, it really is. But I'll tell you what, that book is profound. That is the most profound book. I've told people to read that book, and I, I've, a couple of times I've been on airplanes and watched and seen the look on people's faces. Usually they're in tears when they're reading the book. But it's such a great read. It is so good. It's just it's good for the soul. And that's a great that's book. That's a fantastic um, book. I would agree. Yeah, that's a great book. Um, the the other book I would suggest um, is uh, is the Forty Eight Laws of Power. I will once again give a little bit of a a, a warning on that book, and that um, when you read that book, it's an interesting read. It's fun. It's a fun read, but it's also a little depressing because you start to see behaviors of the people around you and how they're manipulating you, but you also start to see get some insights into your own manipulation of others, but the good news really? is it, it, it arms you. That book arms you with basic human natures that literally just are universal. And you'll be able to see, you know, as an example, you'll start to see more clearly who you can trust, you know. It'll help you start to identify that. Um, it'll, it'll, just, it'll really just arm you to be a, a better person, a better leader. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually sitting at my desk and I'm looking at a great book on – on on business and uh, on organizations and leadership. It's called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. I don't know if you've read that or not. I haven't um, read that one. That's a, that's a really good one because it's really simple, but I've, I've actually used um, so much of that stuff in that book I've used in my own organizations. And really what it's designed to do is that book's um, – one, I, I found to be one of the most useful. In other words, it's not just a I, I, I you know, it's a book you can put into practice and you can put into practice right away. And it really has to do with building a, an organization where people trust one another, where there's vulnerability. And what happens is when you've got a tr an organization where people trust each other and they can be vulnerable with one another, man, you can accomplish a lot. When you, when you, and I'll give you a quick example of something that that book encourages you to do. Um, with, with my management team, with one of my companies, I wouldn't say it was dysfunctional. It, it was dysfunctional. It wasn't horribly dysfunctional, but there was a lot of personality issues in the in the in the room. It was about ten managers that we would that we had on the management team, and there were several people just did not like each other, or there were people didn't like certain members of the team. And one of the um, one of the exercises you go through that are in that that's, that he instructs you to go through that in that book is to um, tell people about your background, tell people about um, how you grew up, where you grew up, how you grew up. Your family, your family growing up, your family now. Um, and I watched not only myself, but one particular um, member of the team was a difficult personality and a difficult person. And I watched everybody, including myself, I watched everybody's attitude toward that person completely change based on under, simply understanding and empathizing with where they came from. And then what happened is everybody will like, I understand exactly why she is the way she is now. Right, and instead of having having a uh, attitude of I don't like that person, I don't trust that person, is I it, then it was the attitude of I now understand that person and I want to help that person, and that's a great great book. So it's called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, and it's really good. Stuff. His every all of his stuff is really good, but there's so many. Good, I know that yeah, right now I'm reading the Forty Eight Laws of of Power and. 
just been so engrossed in it. I was up till one o'clock in the morning last night reading that book. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that, again that's an extremely powerful. That's a, that to me that is the most powerful business book that anybody can read is the Forty Eight Laws of Power. Uh, fantastic, and then and then by and large everybody that reads it that I recommend it to tells me that. Um, but I think from a from a standpoint of I will tell you this, if you, the, the, the book The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, if you're not committed to actually using that book, that book's not going to do you any good. If you don't actually use the stuff that's in there, it really won't provide much because it's not a motivational book. It's not an inspirational book. It's a, it's a literally very, very simple procedural kind of manual on how to make a team functional. Well, you know what, Brian? As I wrap up today, I wanted to just make a quick comment. You know, people will say, if you ever get stuck in a jail in Mexico, who is the first person you'll call? (laughs) And I always think that if anything happened to me, the very first person I would call would be you, mostly because of everything that you've talked about in this call today when it comes to tenacity, figuring things out, figuring out how to solve a problem, or or just somebody who would just drop everything and go. And I think that that's the stuff that I admire the most about you. And I'm so proud to be your friend, and I'm so proud of your extraordinary success. And it's not surprising to me that you've been as successful as you are because I've, I just know how hard you work and how committed you are. And I, I think that those are the most valuable lessons that I hope people will get from our conversation today. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. I, I love you to pieces, and I'm, I'm so honored to have you as a friend, and you are an extraordinary leader. And if anyone has any need for any sort of insurance services, uh, Brian has two extraordinary companies, Assura and Symmetry Financial. And thank you for taking the time out of your schedule today, Brian. It means a lot. Well, it was my pleasure and my honor, and I, again, I was honored that you uh, that you had me on the show today. So thanks a bunch. All right. Have a great day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.